welcome. Welcome to the No Name Yet podcast. That is the podcast with no name. And on tonight's show is the Chaplain Emeritus Extraordinaire, Angie Marcheski. Thank you for being on the show, Angie. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, uh, Angie and I used to work together as chaplains at the local hospital, and uh, she went off and retired. <laughs> and uh, how's retirement been for you? It's been pretty good. Pretty good. I I, got, I retired just in time before COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you did. You you did retire just in time. Yeah, I did. Um, and so uh, uh, Angie and I's paths have crossed uh, since she's uh, retired. Uh, she's uh, uh, helped me out in a ministerial institute for our church. Uh, she's an expert on the filioque. <laughs> and anybody who wants to. Uh, uh, figure out what that is. Just go on the uh, go on Google and try to spell it and try to find it. <laughs> so, Angie, it is so nice to have you on the show. Uh, I just let you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time and uh, just never the time never came up to, to, to ask. And, and I'm so glad that you did agree to come on the show. Now, um, uh, I don't think that you're a, a watcher of the show, are you? I I've seen one or two episodes, but no, uh, not, not not on not regularly. Not no. on a regular basis. Right, right. Well, the um, the premiere episode of season three uh, is a bit off the hook, and. Uh, I felt it was necessary at this juncture and this point in my life to make a big announcement. And uh, that big announcement was, is I'm the village idiot. <laughs> so like everything that I, that I read, the people that I listen to, and most of the people have counter narratives to the mainstream. I, I finally come to the conclusion that yes, they're all wrong. <laughs> That I've been wrong my my entire adult life, uh, and that we're all conspiracy theorists. <laughs> so you know, before we get into our topic tonight, I just wanted to warn you that you are being interviewed by the village idiot. Okay. <laughs> so so what do, what do you think about that? I don't think I don't know. I don't <laughs> see you as the village idiot, Rich. <laughs> So we just I just had to put it out there. Yeah. You know, so so we'll get on with it. I find you to be a deep thinker. So All right. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so you've been sick all week. I have since Sunday. Very sick. It's, it sounds pretty bad. Yeah, well, it's good now. I mean, I'm a lot better than I was. I Monday, I was in bed the entire day. I couldn't even get my head, lift my head off the pillow. It was horrible. Oh wow! Uh, and Tuesday was almost as bad. Um, 
yesterday and today I'm starting to feel a little bit better, but the cough is really hanging on. So okay. I'm hoping another day or two, I'll be back to normal. Well, uh, on the overnight, I picked up a touch of something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Certainly not as bad as you've got, but I, <laughs> when I started, when I didn't feel quite right, uh, it's not COVID. I tested that. Yeah. I did the same thing. I tested twice. So yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not too sick to to do the podcast with Angie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were supposed to do this Tuesday, and I was really out of it then. Yeah. So, so uh, we were both chaplains together. And um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, just ask you a little bit about uh, your time in chaplaincy, mm -hmm. your time in ministry, that you are uh, affiliated with the uh, Roman Catholic Church. Correct. And you were the Roman Catholic uh, uh, chaplain at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to, to start off uh, by asking, what was the most rewarding uh, aspect of clinical chaplaincy uh, for you over the years? Um, I think just to be able to be there for people who were struggling um, and to do so. I mean, I had spent most of my career up until then as a counselor. So I always was, I always felt like I was there for people who were struggling, but, but chaplaincy and church work uh, before chaplaincy actually enabled me to meld my, my spirituality in with, with the work that I, that I really enjoyed. And I think as particularly as a Roman Catholic chaplain, I really helped a lot of people who were, um, who had really been disenfranchised by the church. Okay. Uh, to, to, to help them to understand uh, the church better, church teaching better, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about church teaching. Mm -hmm. you no, know, and 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 a lot of particularly even priests in, in in the old days, they really they really misled people. They they really didn't understand church teaching, uh, even though they were priests, because because decades ago they were trained just to follow the rules. There was no they didn't really get into it, you know. Okay. So a lot of people had been have been disenfranchised from the Catholic Church for many, many years and and uh, some people, I was able to kind of help them better understand that, you know, they didn't need to be disenfranchised from the church. Okay. And, and uh, does any of the teachings uh, that you're talking about come to mind? Well, I, I can share a story if uh, yeah, please. About, a about a patient that I met one time. Um, I, I, I visited with this woman who was in her eighties and um, she had not set foot in it. She had been very religious to start with. She was a very, she grew up very involved with the church and very religious. She got married very young and was abused by her husband. So she went to her priest and, um, and she said to him, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really have to get out of this marriage. You know, my husband's beating me. He's really, you know, and the priest 
said to her, at least this is her story. I mean, I only have her side of the story. The priest said to her, well, if you get a divorce, you're no longer welcome in my church. And she she had net set foot in a church for 60 years. Wow. So I said to her, I remember I said to her, I said, I said, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. I said, that priest was wrong. <laughs> I said, I said, first of all, it's not his church. <laughs> and second of all, that's never been church teaching that you can't get a divorce. The, mm -hmm. the problem only comes in if you want to get married again and you don't have a church annulment. And even that they're kind of changing now to, to some degree. But she just broke down and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And, uh, you know, just thanked me profusely. She, she, she couldn't believe it that, you know, she had stayed away for that many years. And I said, you know, he, he was wrong. I said, just cause he's a priest doesn't mean that he can't, that he can't be wrong. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So that kind of stand, that incident always kind of stood out in my mind as, well, this brings up an issue that, you know, we continually encounter, whether it be uh, at the bedside or even out, you know, just out in society among other people. Mm -hmm. uh, how many people have been disenfranchised from the church from one, you know, for one reason or another. Right, right. And um, <clears throat> I was wondering what your perspective on that the church needs to have things that we follow and are devoted to. Sure. But I'm thinking, um, you know, what could the church do? And I'm talking about the church universal. In general, right. Um, to defend what it believes, but yet, you know, cut people some slack so people don't feel judged. Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. I mean, I, you know, I think um, I think we have to be able to separate to some degree. And I think I think Pope Francis is really good at this. You know, you 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 recognize the importance of having the the, the, the standards and the and the and the, the rules and the teachings, but you also have to be pastoral. And people's lives don't always follow the ideal that, you know, is set before us. And so you have to be able to, to balance the pastoral needs with, with the, the teachings and the rules, if you will, for lack of a better word. Right, right. So um, I, I know you to definitely have a critique of the Catholic Church. <laughs> But yet, um, I want, not necessarily through your words, but through your actions, uh, I've always believed that you love the church. I do. I do. It's a part of me, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an Italian-American. Uh, actually, I'm Sicilian-American. And, and the church was very much a part of our, of, of our culture. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like in my blood, you know. But my parents also were very practical. And, you know, my my mother in particular, I can remember, 
they were very practical. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they were not hung up on, on the rules. They did what made sense, you know? Okay. They, they, they respected the rules and they followed the rules, but, but they also did what made sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, you know, and, and that, I think that has helped me to, 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 to be that way, you know, as well. To, to maybe err on the side of common sense, so to speak. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I really believe that God, God has to make sense. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't make sense, it can't be from God. Because God, you know, because God is the, is the ultimate knowledge, the, you know? Right, right. And, you know, so, so if, if it doesn't make any sense, then, then there's something not quite right about it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, you know, which which actually that statement really fits in with a patient that I've been working with. He is struggling with why why does God allow suffering? Mm-hmm. And you know, we've been I've I've been trained in CPE. You know that we owe patients an explanation, uh, maybe along the lines of um, I think it's Rabbi Kushner. Is that his name that wrote why bad things happening to good people? Um, That we live in a a world uh, governed by the free will of men and women. Um, But, you know, that lands kind of flat on some people. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're going through what they're going through. And this guy in particular was like, I've gone to multiple masses during the week my entire life and why am i suffering now um and he just can't wrap his mind around it um and it doesn't make sense that that would come from god right right so when you when you've encountered patients that struggle along those lines uh what were some of your approaches well we can't really explain to people why they suffer. You know, nobody really knows the answer to that. Um, but I always kind of, I always kind of took the approach with people that suffering is just part of life. And, and I don't really, I don't believe that God causes us to suffer, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that if we want God to be with us in the suffering, he, he will be with us. Right. Right. Um, and we have to just try to get whatever comfort we can from that. Uh, we aren't going to explain it. We can't explain it. Mm -hmm. We don't know why there is suffering in the world. No. Um, it's not, it's a, it's not an easy one. You know, it really isn't an easy one. It's not, And yeah, you know, we're. I think all of us, to a certain extent, would like everything explained. Yeah, I know. Um, and it can be difficult uh, for people. So, just to switch gears a little bit, um, are there uh, any any memories of um, 
uh, cases or, or uh, happenings uh, during chaplaincy uh, that uh, make you laugh? <laughs> um, there was one one of our um, I always kind of found this very touching I don't know if it made me laugh so much and in some ways it made me chuckle but it's but it, I found it very touching at one of our annual memorial services I had given the reflection um, and um, I had shared this story that I had read at one time and it's a, it, this little boy is walking with his grandfather um, along, you know, along this trail, and they're chatting. and And he says to his grandfather, his grandfather's old and at the end of his life, and the and the kid says to his grandfather, you know, are are you afraid to die? So the grandfather tells the the boy the story about how when he was before he was born, you know, he he didn't want to be born. He he was comfortable where he was and. And he came into this world kicking and screaming. And now, now that he's here, he would never want to go back. And the grandfather said, that's what it's like when you die. You know, you leave this world. You, you, you don't want to go. You're fighting it. But then when you get there, it's so beautiful and so wonderful. You wouldn't ever want to come back. And uh, there was a, a husband of a woman who had passed away. Who, who had really had a hard time with it. Um, he, and he was there with his two daughters and, and um, he came up to me afterwards and he said, I never thought of it that way, that, that she wouldn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He said, I never thought that's beautiful. I never thought of it that way. Yes. And, and uh, so that, that was kind of, I, I kind of, I found that enjoyable, you know, well, that, that must have felt good that your words touched somebody, you know, yes. that, that you had got confirmation that. Yeah. And that poor guy had really, I mean, he was really having a hard time about losing his wife. They were, mm -hmm. they were fairly young. They were, you know, they were not an old, they were not an old couple. Yeah. And uh, their kids were like in their twenties and, you know, so, so he was really struggling. So when, so when he said that to me, I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, you know, I was being trained that, you know, if you feel that your sermon didn't touch anybody, you don't know. It might've, it might've been a sermon that God wanted for one person in the room. Yeah. 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 yeah you never know what impact you have on people. Yeah. You know, those memorial services that we used to do once a year, people would come up to me and tell me how much, you know, something I said, and, and I had no memory of it at all. Uh -huh. But it obviously they were, you know, raving about it and, and so grateful and thanking me and like, okay, you really don't know, you really have no idea the impact you have on people sometimes. Right, right. And, and, and kind of sticking with that idea. Um you know that this podcast has a, a, a diverse uh, audience, mm -hmm. especially especially by age. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what would what would you say to somebody who is thinking of maybe getting into uh, a helping field, uh, you know, such as uh, counseling or or ministry? Um, would you would you have any any words of wisdom or any advice for someone who was thinking of entering a field like that? 
I think the most important thing for people who are considering entering a field like that is to is to recognize that they are they're they're not you don't enter a field like this for your own benefit. There are an awful lot of people unfortunately who go into the helping professions um who really don't have their own act together so to speak mm. um and and i think you know you have to be open to meeting the needs of the other person regardless of what a lot of people go into it because they had a a, a certain experience themselves and they want and they want to but 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 if they haven't done their own work, um, the 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 danger is that they're going to think that what worked for them is going to work for everybody, hmm. and so they're gonna they're gonna impose their thoughts and feelings on the people that they're trying to help, and that's that's not that's never good, right? right. You know, um, that's never good. You know, and, and discussing with uh, one of our colleagues at uh, the hospital, we were saying that it's important to evaluate why right. uh, you want to, you know, so-called help people, you know. Right. And, um, you know, and, and to figure out why is it that you, that you're finding yourself wanting to gravitate towards suffering. Mm-hmm. And I really like that conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not sure I exactly know why myself. It mm -hmm. just seems that it's been part of my calling since I was a kid. Right. Right. But it's something that um, since we had the conversation that I'm, I'm really trying to uh, actively um, strive to be able to articulate it if somebody asked. Right, right. You know, I know the counseling program that I went to um, way back when I was getting my, I have a master's in, in counseling and, and uh, the, the program that I went through required us to have counseling as part of our training. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, I think that was wonderful because it, it, it helps you to come to terms with, you know, your own, your own issues and you're i think cpe does the same thing right right you know it really makes yeah. you look at who you are the bereavement studies program did the same thing too we had this whole soul search weekend that that you know we had um where you really look at your own experiences and your own life and you know uh think about your own death that was a big part of it in the bereavement studies program you know we had to write papers on you know what did we think our own death would be like or to, you know, and, and I think that's important because if you don't do that, you, you just fall into, you know, acting out of your emotions and, and, right, yeah. and that's not always to the benefit of the people you're trying to help. Yeah. Cause I, you know, and, you know, in my training and, and in ministry, you I mean, we wrote, we've written extensively about the, our call, mm -hmm. uh, 
But when that question was specifically asked, why do you find yourself gravitating towards suffering? That seemed to be so specific. Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, you must have answered that somewhere, you know? <laughs> and the other part of me is like, that's what I'm doing in this occupation is gravitating towards suffering. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's really made me think and to start uh, digging deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Angie, in the time that we have, uh, tonight, it, it's, it's so hard to get, uh, to go in deeply in in the career that you've had in in helping and in ministering and in counseling mm-hmm. um but are there any any thoughts that you would like to to share with people on, on your career um and you know interacting with people that you didn't even know i don't know that's a tough one rich i mean i i've enjoyed I, I love people, you know, and, and I, and I really enjoyed working with people. I don't always think, I don't think I was always very good at it. You know, in the early years, I think I made a lot of mistakes. Not that I can continue to make mistakes in later years too, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, sometimes I think back to some of my early, early experiences with, with counseling clients and, and I just like cringe, you know, because I mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but I, I, I tried to learn from them. I tried to grow, grow as a result of them. You know, I worked with a lot of different people in a lot of different settings, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, uh, my work for the church, the last, the last 17 years of my life were, were church work, um, first in a parish and then, and then in, you know, as a chaplain. And, uh, those were some of the most rewarding, uh, experiences that I had because it enabled me, like I said earlier, to, to meld my spirituality openly with my, with my counseling in the years that I was trained as a counselor, they really discouraged us from addressing spiritual issues and religious issues. Uh, it was it was considered, you know, like never the twain shall meet kind of a thing. You know, okay, yeah. that that has changed in the field of counseling. That has changed significantly. Thank God. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Uh, but in my early career, uh, it, 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 that was the thinking. So, and, and my, my spirituality was always very important to me. So, so working for the church and, 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 and being allowed to openly express my spirituality in my work was really a gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I really, I really cherished that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question, but. Well, it does. It does bring up a a, a thought that I'm glad came up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if for those for those people who don't know, you know that Angie and I work in, in a clinical basis of, of ministry, and so we might go into a room and have a visit with an atheist, mm-hmm. and that we're exploring. Uh, everybody has spirituality, whether 
they want to admit to it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one visit in particular, I may have mentioned it on the show before, was an atheist that found meaning and found uh, came alive when he was hunting and doing carpentry. And that was being threatened by uh, his second leg amputation. Mm. And so we were able to talk spiritually through, you know, carpentry and hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, it, it it's funny. It's funny. Uh, you know, one patient, which I think I did some, some good work with, you know, uh, at the end of it, uh, he said, uh, you know, I really, you know, you've been really helpful to me, you know, d- during this last two hospitalizations because they were back to back. And uh, and then we said something else. And, and, and I forgot what how I mentioned it, but, uh, you know, saying that this is my full time job. And he goes, oh, you get paid for this. I felt so dejected. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know. The point of me saying this is that, um, you know, we we volunteer to work in a field to take the abstract and to, and to, somehow in in a professional and a compassionate way be able to break it down into uh the explainable so to speak the concrete which is always a difficult thing but the point of it is is that the that unmeasurable part of ourselves is very very important in arenas like healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. When you when he said that to you, you get paid for this. Do you think that that had an impact on his on his image of you? I don't know. I'm not sure. It may have, or maybe he thought. Yeah. Or maybe he thought it was a good thing I got paid for. I took it as a negative, but Yeah, well see, that's how I would have t- I would have taken it like, uh-oh, he thinks that I don't really care now because I'm only now, now he thinks I'm only doing it for the money. You know that that's almost yeah. that's almost how it sounded. If if he said it the way you relate it, that's almost how it sounded. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. You get paid for this? You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, "Oh, you get paid for this?" Kind of yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, just so the audience knows, um, I have uh, seven and a half years of schooling behind me, <laughs> four units of CPE, and five <laughs> annual sessions of ministerial institute to do what I'm doing. <laughs> I know. And, uh, how many years of schooling did you have? Oh, my goodness. Uh, two master's degrees. So, you know, four years of college and six years. Eight years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then and then you had uh, you have to do. Uh, you still have to do uh, annual education, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. 
So anyway, you know, that's a very common thing though, that I have found is that, and, 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 and I can't speak for other churches, but certainly the Catholic church is, is to blame for a lot of that. You know, that idea that, well, you work for the church, you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. They forget that people have to have a roof over their head and food on the table and clothes to wear. You know, you, yeah. gotta have, you have to be paid. You have to earn money to, to survive. Right. And, 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 you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, and, and especially from people who um, are Christian and, and, and lift up the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if somebody is serving two masters, you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know that um, as a bivocational pastor of a church that, that can flip-flop from occupation to occupation. So I'm pastoring a church and I'm working full-time as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that I could do much more in both fields, given if I was only focused on one. Right. You know, and so everybody loves volunteers but if you're talking about volunteers that are 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 working bivocationally, mm-hmm. and you want and and you want people to minister on a, vo- a volunteer basis, I don't I don't think you're. I don't know. I I don't know if you're getting the best out of that minister that you could. Right. When the minister's trying to keep a roof over his or her head, and then, you know what I'm trying to say. I do. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, I know that some people do it out, out of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm speaking from the viewpoint of uh, being divided. And, uh, you know, I'm not volunteering at the church I'm pastoring, but uh, it's close to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, before we wrap up, uh, I would like you to uh, tell the audience a story that you told me. And uh, the story involved a package that you received from Alaska around Christmas time. <laughs> so would you would you mind sharing this story to brighten the Christmases of all who listen? <laughs> Okay. I have a sister who lived in Anchorage, Alaska for 30 years. She's three years younger than I am. And um, we had visited them uh, one one summer. Uh, and in Alaska, salmon and halibut are huge. You, you know, you, I mean, that that's the, the big, because they're, they're huge. So so the following Christmas, we get this big, long package um, uh, from Alaska. And my husband says to me, oh, look, your sister sent us a smoked salmon because it was it was a long, narrow package and it looked like a smoked salmon. So he, so so he just took the package and put it in the refrigerator and he said, we'll have it, you know, we'll have it for Christmas, Christmas brunch. OK. So we're all excited about this salmon that we got. 
and comes Christmas morning and take the package out of the refrigerator and open it up. And it was a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. It was not a smoke session at all. <laughs> we laughed about that for years. <laughs> Did you have anything uh, anything else for breakfast that you could eat? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember what, but we had to <laughs> We were so our mouths were watering for that salmon. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angie, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been great. And uh, we, we end the show the same way every time with a prayer. So yeah. let us pray. So Father God, I thank you uh, for Angie coming on the show. And I, I thank you that uh, you've uh, allowed me to meet her in my life. So God, I ask that you keep her lifted and that, Lord, as uh, she continues to help people, uh, even in this time of her life, that, Lord, I ask that you keep uh, uh, empowering her and giving her the energy to minister to other people. That, Lord, in, in, in this day and age, that uh, people who care, that people have compassion, people who have empathy are more, are, are more important than ever. And that, God, may uh, all of us carry the light of Jesus into a dark world. So, Lord, I just thank you this evening and ask a blessing on Angie. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And good night. Good night. <laughs>